Well, hey, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Frontline Community Church's weekly podcast. We're a church based in Ramstein, Germany, and we have a simple mission, and that's to love God, to love others, and to help others love God. Now, we do this by being real, relational, and relevant. Now, as you listen to our podcast today, we hope that you're blessed and that your journey with Jesus Christ becomes stronger than ever. God bless you. God be with you right now, especially you guys out on the West Coast, but it is great uh, to have everybody join in us today. Well, I'm excited to dive into this. Go ahead and get your Bibles. If you brought them with you, I hope you have a Bible with you. If you don't, let us know on the way out. We do have some Bibles in English and as well as German for you, a free gift from us. But I want you to download an iPad app, follow along with us, take some notes in these series. God's doing a lot of great things through this series. Um, Go ahead and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you don't have a Bible, it's all good. We'll throw these verses up here um, on the screens as I teach. So no matter where you're at, you can understand and take something home that can help your life today. I'm starting a new series in two weeks. Would you like to know what it is? I'm really excited about it. It's uh, It's on spiritual warfare. Left side is battling. Are you, got, are you feeling that? Alex, get them going for me. Okay, coffee, I know. We are not serving coffee. We need to serve coffee, okay. Um, but if you've ever had a question in your mind about what's going on in my life, what if it's not just physical? I mean, what if we, what if we are, are fighting something spiritual and uh, we don't even know how to fight it? Like, you're not getting out of it. Until you know how to fight it, you need to know the art of war. And so we're going to talk about spiritual warfare in October because it's Halloween, and uh, we're going to let you wear a mask to church. <laughs> all right, all right. The Facebook fam thought I was funny right there. All right, Second Corinthians um, in chapter 12. I'll get there in a minute. This is a series we're calling Better Together um, in light of COVID and, and the world, and it's fractured feeling that it has right now with politics and and again the virus we do believe that the bible and that's what frontline is about the bible we do believe that the bible says we're better together and if you're here and you're not a a believer in jesus you're not a christian i'm glad you're here but this is a great insight for you to understand what this is maybe you grew up in church and you're like yeah that thing ain't for me well i want to show you probably a view that you haven't seen through this series in the beauty of the saved, those who know Jesus as their savior, and what happens when we come together. Now, we only got a couple weeks left, and God put it on my heart, just because we do a lot of counseling here, and a lot of great people are reaching out for help. I wanna talk to you today, or maybe I should say, in light of 1 Thessalonians, God wants to talk to you today about this. Take a picture of the screen, or write this down, or put it in an iPad or a phone. I wanna talk about a community of endurance this morning. Write that down on Facebook, a community of endurance. How many of you guys on social media are feeling fatigued and the endurance is running out? How many of you guys right here are needing some more endurance? Slip your hand up for me. Go ahead and clap. That felt good right there. 
It's a weird tiredness. It's a weird weariness. It's hard to pinpoint. Um, you, just, you just feel this fatigue, and I think it's somewhere in the soul. And one of the things I love about the church and I love about you guys, and our, our team will tell you um, we get here pretty early on Sundays, and I'm like a little kid. I can't wait to see you guys. Because one of the things we get as a community is endurance from each other. The Holy Spirit creates endurance when we gather. And uh, I, I just want to explain to you and give some answers, some working answers, no Pinterest stuff today, how to endure the many trials of life. You know, I got a, I'm on the second floor of a little house in Steinwenden, and I got delightful owners, German owners, and uh, they, we don't have a fireplace so we have a little back deck. It's about like the size of this right here. And so we bought a fire pit. I don't know if it's legal or safe. Don't tell my owners. They, they may be watching this. But we have a little fire out there. And, uh, and my family was out there and we were talking about the Bible and talking about life. And it was a really sweet time. And you know when wood burns and you get the sparks that go up? And sometimes they go at you a little bit, but nonetheless, they go up. And I was thinking about life and you guys and trials and how God speaks through everything. Because in the book of Job, which is a book about suffering and finding purpose in pain. Someone better write that down in the comment section. You got to find purpose in pain because pain without purpose is suicide. But if you can inject purpose in pain... It creates endurance. In Job chapter 5, verse 7, when this man is getting steamrolled by life, the Bible goes like this, but man who is born of woman is full of trouble as sparks fly upward, just as you cannot stop sparks rising from fire, so you cannot stop trials in life. Amen? Amen. And so that leaves a lot of questions, especially if you're not a Jesus follower. I grew up on the West Coast as an atheist for 20 years. And that was one of my rebuttals because I was scared of what God would do to my life if I yielded to him. But one of my atheistic rebuttals had to do with the age-old philosophy of if God is real, why do we suffer? And I knew there were answers. I didn't want them. Because if I got the answer, then I would have to yield to Christ. What is the hardest part about trials? Actually, I want you to answer me just real quick. What, what's the hardest part? No names. If your trial has a name and they're here, don't say their name. <laughs> but what, just as a community, what is the hardest part of a trial? And even on Facebook and YouTube, you guys do the same thing. Just, just yell them out. What is it? Not knowing how to get through it, amen? Not knowing how to get through it. What else? Losing control. When will it end? Can I just go back to eat this real quick? And then I'm like, are we ever in control? Like, I mean, I'm starting to think that. Like, what am I in control of? What am I? But yeah, control in the trials. When will it ever end? Is that what you said, Dondria? Look, look at this, guys. This is real life. This is why we're here. Not to play church. This is real stuff. I, I would say, and I wrote down right here, the hardest part of a trial in my life is just making sense of it all. Like, why is it happening? Because here, and this is probably why we're screwing our kids up. And let me not speak for you. Let me not speak for you. We so pad our children, we don't want them to go through pain. And I transfer that to God. And I'm like, if I have a loving father like we sang this morning, then I would stop pain. I would stop it. 
especially if I was a sovereign God who had all this power, I, wouldn't, I, w- I would stop all that John is going through down here if I truly loved him. And that's how we raise our kids. And maybe there's, there's, there's something we need to look at there. Why are we going through trials? And let me just answer it for you. Where in the world is God in it all? And to the unbeliever, this could be a major stumbling block for you. If you're watching and you don't believe in Jesus, this may be that, that, that blockage that you've either truly wrestled with or used to keep you from Jesus. I want to I help you wrestle with some truth today. Now, write this down. We are in a world of naturalism. Just write it down or put it in an iPad or a phone. Naturalism. We are in a world that's consumed with a lot of good things, but self and the material worlds. We fail to see another dimension. We fail to see a spiritual world around us. And so if you just look at the self-life and there's nothing beyond the human experience, there's no God, or there's no heaven, or there's no spiritual realm, there really isn't any reasonable explanation for the purpose for suffering. But the community of the saved, this thing we call a church, God through his spirit and through the word of God has given us the ability to open our spiritual eyes and see another realm and that allows us to see the purpose in suffering. See what I'm saying? I've told you guys before, I was in San Francisco um, in the belly of the beast doing ministry. That's a hard place. Is anybody from the Bay Area? I know you guys are from California, but uh, any Bay Bay Area people? Some of us don't want to admit it. It's such a crazy place. Well, I went to a theater with a bunch of young adults in our church, and I've told you guys this story before. We got really bad seats because it was a young adult outing, and we couldn't afford anything else. But uh, we got really bad seats. I wanted to be in the, the front and see the play, and I wanted to see all the actors. But we ended up being in the top, the third, the third uh, the balcony, which is on the third level, and it was like right on the edge, you guys. So, you know, Adam, like, I could just see the side of everyone. Like, they were like $4 seats. Well, they were San Francisco, probably like 40, 40. But the cool thing was, guys, I realized I had this God moment, and he'll speak to you everywhere. I could see things that people couldn't see who had the best seats. You see, what I could see is behind the scenes of the actors. I could see people who were dressed in black because they they didn't want to be seen. I could see them moving and orchestrating things, and I could see them moving things around. I could could see the the, the different stage sets being, being pulled out. I could see behind the scenes of what was going on, and before anybody who had the best seats could ever see what was happening, I already had a jump on the next scene. That's what I'm going to give you today, a jump on the next scene. The saved have the ability to know what God is doing in the suffering. And I I know I had this awakening. I told our staff, we had a staff meeting, and I'm just like, I think during COVID, I've just been enduring. But I want to start responding differently. It's not just the virus. It's what's going on in the States, if you're here and you're from the States, or What's going on right here in Europe or just the the daily woes of marriage or being a teenager? Why do we suffer? Well, I'm going to give you a few answers. I want you to write these down. I would say we suffer because sometimes, and I I just need an amen, we just make dumb decisions. Can I say that to you? 
Is that okay, Facebook? Is that okay? I mean, a lot of my suffering is because I do stupid things, and stupid's a biblical word. We just, we just do. And I was like, why, why is God allowing this? And I'm like, bro, you made four strategic decisions to get you right here. You know, sometimes, you know, we do that. I do that. I do that. And sometimes we suffer. We go through trials because we're just in a world gone wrong. Um, there's no way outside of God to explain the condition of the world. We believe in this thing called sin, a fall, depravity, that an evil has crash landed and turned this beautiful human project into a, a shadow of what God designed it to be. That's why you feel beauty, but you also feel pain. It's like, I know this thing is supposed to be amazing, but it's, it's splintered and broken and people die and we start wrinkling and we get sick and, and marriage isn't solid because you got two imperfect people in a, in a home and on and on I could go. The mind is not right in all of us and we're trying and we're growing in the gospel and through the spirit, but we are in a world gone wrong. Government can't work the way we want it. It can't. The minds can't work the way we want it. But then I was thinking on a positive note of a third reason this week to share with you. And guys, what if God is using your trials and your suffering right now to radically transform you? What if this whole thing is about him using the trial to make you who you want to be? I know what you're saying. I said it to the Lord all week. Lord, can we talk about it a different way? Because I love to worship. And Lord, what if I could just sit on the beach in like the mantis position in prayer? Could you just change me? And he's like, no, you're too, you're too, you're too bullheaded for that, John. There's certain things that I can only do to you through the trial. And I know you want to be like my son. And one of the only ways in certain pocketed areas of your soul for me to transform you into the image of Christ, things like love and patience and forgiveness and endurance is to put you through the suffering. And there's a Christian theology that is all jacked that says that God is not in that. I rebuke that. And I want to show you in 2 Corinthians. And by the way, verse is going to come to you and you're going to want to put them on Facebook and YouTube. Like by his stripes, we are healed. That is not saying that this life is supposed to be free of suffering now. It means one, we're going to be spiritually healed through salvation. And two, we're going to be fully healed in the resurrection. God uses suffering. Second Corinthians is where we're going to be because we, we meet a man and it's an injustice to Paul if we say that God's not in the suffering because he went through hell and back 14 times. He was under assaults. You know, he was a great man. He changed the Western world. Much of uh, our thinking today is birthed from this old man named Paul. And he was accused of sexual things, of stealing money, of being power hungry. Um, they even accused him of being ugly. And then they accused him of being a bad speaker, a bad public speaker. You know, if you're a bad public speaker, but you're good looking, you can get away with it. <laughs> or if you're ugly, but you can really speak well, you're okay. They just snagged both. He's been shipwrecked. His last letter he writes to a young guy, a millennial kid, he goes like this, everybody has forsaken me. And maybe some of you here feel that way. You're just like, man, it's like the waves in Psalm 42, they just keep coming over me. 
He's under attack from his enemies. And it's, it's devastating him. And he begins to write this letter. Think of an email or a very long text. And he begins to tell this community of Jesus followers, here's what I learned. I learned that the suffering is not in vain. As a matter of fact, I had to learn how to see God's hand in the dimension that I can't see in my suffering to find to pull purpose into it. And man, when I started seeing what God was doing in the suffering, my whole life changed. This may not be an emotionally satisfying sermon, but it's going to get you through it. Paul needed the trial. And that's hard to say, but Paul needed the trial. And I want to be very compassionate in saying this, that there are some trials. I don't, I'm not going to talk for everybody, but there are some trials we need. They're hard, but we need them. And I just want you to consider that maybe God is trying to change you into the person you really want to be, your full you, through the trial. And that's what God says to Paul, and that's Paul's message to this church. God is using the trial to transform him. And I've said it before, before COVID, guys, and I want you to write this down. What's happening on the surface is not the entire story, amen? That's all we got here is a physical world, but what's happening on the surface is not the entire story. Facebook, YouTube, you guys listen to that. What's happening on the surface in your life is not the entire story. So I'm gonna give you two points today. You guys ready? Two points. I'm going to strengthen someone. The Lord's going to strengthen someone through the gospel for those who know Jesus. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you can have this reality. Two points on suffering. We're going to talk about how Paul found purpose in pain and the guy had injected steel in his bones. And that's what we need in this world right now. So write this first thing down. The first thing Paul does, and I'm going to show you it. He accepts that he can't change his circumstances at the moment. It's a critical first move for you. If you're here and you're in a trial, I would recommend you do everything you can to get out of it. But if you find that you cannot, what Paul had to learn is that if he cannot get out of the trial, he needs to begin to accept the circumstances. It's a hard thing to do. It's a move of surrender to the Lord. Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. You guys still with me on social media? Wave to them again. Just make sure they're there. I have a feeling they went to the kitchen. It's a suffering sermon. They may have gone to the kitchen out there. Stay with me. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. This is big. This is gospel stuff. This is church stuff. Paul goes like this. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. And you're like, what does that mean? (laughs) Well, right before that, he goes like this. Hey, do you guys know I've been to the third heaven? That's what Paul said. You're like, I wasn't aware there were the first two. Yeah, he goes, this is called heaven, just the, the atmosphere right here. And that's the first heaven. And then the second heaven is the galaxy. Do you know I went to the third heaven? That's God's dimension. He like pulled me up there. Yeah, serious. He pulled me up there and he showed me things, but I can't tell you what they are. I can't tell you because he told me, he showed me shapes and colors and ideas and they don't exist down here. And there's no way I could explain them to you. I felt emotions up there with him and I've never felt them down here. So I literally can't unpack them. 
but I've experienced amazing things from God. And then he goes like this, amen? I got an excited sound crew today. I got an excited sound crew. He's going like this. And by the way, we need that stuff. We need God's power. And then he goes like this. I've so tapped into the power of the Holy Spirit. Like when I speak, people are changed. It's wild. It's just really wild stuff that's going on. And he goes like this. He admits this. He goes, and it started getting to my head. My head started getting big. I started getting conceited. It was hard to be around me. Anybody ever fall into some, some success and you know it's changing you? And you, you, know, you know people are struggling to be around you because of success. He goes like this. I was blessed, but I wasn't using the blessing for the glory of God. It was making me conceited. He's struggling with pride. Now, I want to help you with something. It's okay to say that you're struggling with sin it's not okay when someone else says you're struggling with sin. So Paul is being very careful here. He goes, I'm struggling with pride. Anybody struggling with pride? Raise your hand. Do you have too much pride to raise your hand? No, I'm just... Now, here's what I need you to know. God is all about transformation. His love won't allow one of his kids to stay in a state of sin. So he sees one of his, his kids, his son, Paul. He sees his head getting big. He sees that pride is starting to mess his heart up. He sees that pride is starting to mess his relationships up. And God's love is going to pull him into a trial. Because God wants to free him from, from the pride that's binding him. And I, I want you to hear this, guys. And this is a hard lesson to learn about God. But if you want to know your father, God is more interested in who we are than what we have where we live, or what we do. Man. And I, I know we've all heard way too many sermons on how to unlock the riches of God. And that's fine, but understand, Jesus died to make us a person. Character over comfort. That's the mind of God, character over comfort. You ever wonder why in John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, Jesus goes like this, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And he could have given a, any title to the Holy Spirit. He goes like this, I'm sending you the comforter, the paraclete, the comforter. You know what he's saying right there? Let me help you. He goes like this, it's about to get real uncomfortable down there. My love is gonna change you. But sometimes, guys, I'm gonna have to put you in a trial to change you, and it's gonna get really uncomfortable and my comforter is going to get you through it so you're, you're transformed through the trial. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians 7. Look at the second half. Hmm. What was the trial? I would like to know how God dealt with Paul's pride. What was the trial? He goes like this. A thorn was given me in the flesh. <laughs> Remember, guys, God did not allow this God authored this. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. What in the world is going on right now? God sent a messenger. It's the same word as angel. God sent a fallen angel. We call those <laughs> demons to harass me. What in the world? God did this. 
That tells you the control of God and the love of God. That God would take a radical, maniacal beast of a creature, a fallen angel, and go, I'm going to puppet you. <laughs> yeah. You're on assignment now, Dondre. You know, you're going you're gonna to do this exactly the way I say. You're not going to take it too far and destroy my son. You're going to do it just my way. And that fallen angel takes the form of a human being. I wonder if we really know what's going on around us. He looks like a man. You can see this in Philippians. And God says, you're going to follow Paul around and you're going to harass him. He's going to preach and he's cocky. He's an A-type. He's got too much success and he's going to go like this. Everybody gather around, watch this. And this dude's going to be in the crowd and he's going to go, don't believe this liar. And everyone's going to go, is he lying? Yeah, he's lying. That's the demon. That's the fallen angel. So God sent this fallen angel. I wonder if we've got some fallen angels in human form that we call coworkers. Don't go to work and say that. <laughs> and, and they're just literally sent there to, to, to humble us or to grow us in areas of patience. And he goes like this. That was the thing in the last part of the verse that was going to keep me from being conceited. Now, that word thorn, does anybody else have something different in your Bibles? A thorn. That's a bad translation. Because that doesn't, that, I've had thorns. I'm like, cool, that's not, that's not bad. That's a, that's a bad translation. It's a tent stake. You know? That's a tent stake. Paul said, I'm like a pilgrim traveling through this earth, and my body's like a tent. I put it down from place to place. I pick it up. I PCS. I put it back down. And he goes, my tent's got holes in it. My knees hurt, my head hurts, my brain hurts at times. But see, he got big headed and his tent started floating. And God put a tent stake right through it to keep it to the ground. And he goes, the fallen angel, the angels are singing right now. The fallen angel is your tent stake. And I gave it to you to keep your feet on the ground because the pride's going to kill you. And I'm not going to let him go too far. He's under my control. But I'm showing my glory by saying I even control the demons. And, and I, I, don't, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what I'm going through half the time. And, and it may not be a demon. Um, it may be a, a precious little baby who's teaching you how to be patient. Um, or it may be a divorce to teach you how to forgive. Or it may, I could, we could go on and on with these heartbreaking things. But I just want you to consider did God either allow it or orchestrate it to transform you? He stuck that thing right through Paul's flesh, the place where sin lives, to say, Paul, I love you too much to let you be prideful and lose this thing. Look at verse seven. I want you to underline that, a messenger. Man, there are messengers all over the place from God, and they are putting us in trials to transform us. Look at verse eight. He goes like this, like anybody would. He goes, so three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. I'm doing that too. I'm like, Lord, get this person out of my life. Like, they're, I'm serious, Lord, like precatory Psalms, like fire, fire down and kill them, you know. Get them out of my life. And it's not wrong to pray against these things, 
But it's so interesting what God says in verse eight. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. Now I've spent three years praying trials away that it should leave me. But you know what God's saying back to Paul and I'll explain this in a minute. In verse eight, what he's gonna say to Paul is, Paul, I cannot remove the thing that's making you like my son. I love you too much. And I love God because I know he's wincing a little bit here. He's like, I, I want to pull it away, Paul, but I love you too much. And I've got a destiny for you. And I've got a mission for you that's too beautiful. And if we don't get this thing out of you, you'll never be the man I called you to be. So write this down. We'll throw it up here. Write this quote down. Put it on social media. Hashtag whatever. Guys, listen. If the situation doesn't change, you've prayed, you've tried. If the situation doesn't change, then Christ is most likely trying to change me. I've had these people in my life. I've had these things in my life. I've been like, and I'm a planner and I'm a, you know, I got 15 plans, everything I do. And, and I'm, I'm on plan 14 and nothing's changed. I've prayed against the situation and, and God won't come through. And, and I have to finally do what Paul's doing here. I have to come to the place where I realize I can't change my circumstances at the moment. God most likely is trying to change me through it. I've got to begin to turn to yielding to God if it won't change. I need to start asking better questions. God, what are you doing to me now? What are you trying to do in me now? I know that's why Jesus died. He didn't die so I could have my sins forgiven and let me walk through this earth totally jacked up. He, the plan's too great. The gospel's too great. He died on the cross to cover my sins and to radically make me a new creation so old things can be passed away and all things can become new. He's not going to let me stay. That's not love. It's a little child-rearing sermon in there somewhere. So going through this process, if we're going to know how to go through trials and suffering and we're going to see God correctly, I was talking to Pastor Chris about this this week as we were talking about trials. If you're going to go through this process, it has to be grounded in true in two gospel promises. God is in control and God is for me. Yes. If any of those break down, your trials will not make sense. If I'm in a trial, I've got to remember if I'm in Christ, if I'm saved, then there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I have to realize I cannot manipulate my way out of this trial. God is in control. Promise number one. I Look, until he opens the door, I'm in this. I'm in it. Anybody ever try to manipulate God in a trial? Anybody try to get a spiritual crowbar and open a door of escape? And it's like, he's got another padlock on there? I just broke one before this. When the door shuts and it's God that's doing it, the door shuts. So the first promise in the gospel, for those of us who know Jesus, is God's in control. Promise two is he can be control, in control, but if I don't understand that he's for me, I'm dead. Because I may think he's in control, but he's going to crush me. He's mad at me. I'm never getting out of this. So he's in control, but because of Christ and, and the gospel, he's for me. He's for me. So this is not to harm me. This is to change me. 
That's the promises we've got to anchor this on. So the first move is this. Someone's getting free today. We need to shift the strategy. If I can't change my situation, then I'm going to let the situation change me for the better. Amen, Marcus? I'm working up here. So, point number two. This man was brilliant by the Holy Spirit. Point number two, throw this up. And I want you to write this down. Instead of trying to change what he couldn't, he allowed it to change him. Instead of trying to change what he can't, he allows it to shape him. That's when you become an invincible person right there. You were like this, this thing's in my life. It's from God. God's trying to change me. I can't change it. Okay, God, let's partner now. What are you trying to do in me? Now that trial is forced to serve me. Now I'm back in control with God over the trial. Now I need to work with God and begin to ask a new question. God, what are you trying to chip away? What are you trying to soften and get out of me? I've been in a trial. I was in a trial for four years one time, and it took me two two of those years to figure out I'm not getting out of this until I grow. I'm not getting out of this until I grow. Sister, you, we're together on this one. Maybe it's just you and I, but I'm in this. God will release me from the trial when I'll wake up and, and work with him and grow through it. But he's not going to let me go until I grow. Someone should write that down. I just made that up. Four years. And I started realizing this because I lack patience. I lack patience. One of my virtues is my energy. But I lack patience. And God wanted to teach me patience. And so he just, in this particular place in my life, he just cornered me. He just boxed me in. And and I was stuck there. And, And then I started saying to myself, studying Paul, like he's not letting me out of this thing. I need to flow with this thing. Lord, teach me how to be patient. I need to release my view on timing and settle myself on your timing. And, and I call myself a patient man now. In our staff, I drive our staff crazy because I'm the guy who won't pull the trigger. I said, wait another week. Wait another week. My inner Yoda's coming out. <laughs> but it took a trial. Second Corinthians 12, verse 9. Instead of trying to change what he can't, he allowed it to shape him. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. He's, got a, he's having a conversation with God. You need to have a conversation with God about your child today. He says in verse 8, don't throw it up, but he says, can you stop this trial? Verse 9, God responded to Paul. It's okay to have a conversation with God. God goes, Paul, I know it doesn't feel good, but I want you to remember, son, this ain't going on a mug. This is real. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Look up here. Here's what that means. My grace won't allow the trial to destroy you. You're going to come out wounded because there's always a breaking before a blessing. You're going to come out a little banged up. But my grace and my love, you're not going to get destroyed by this. You're not. And here's what I'm doing. My power is made perfect in weakness. I've got to make you weak in an area I've got I've to soften it up a little bit because when you let go of that area, my power is going to surge. John, you, you need to be patient if you're going to be a man of God. 
There's a patience thing in there. You need to wait on the Lord. And you're not patient. So I'm not going to let this trial destroy you, but you're going to wait and it's going to be incredibly difficult on your soul. But what's going to happen is that speedy pride of like, go, 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 go. We're going to soften that. We're going to weaken that right there. And when you start going like this, maybe I don't have to do it now. Maybe I do need to trust in faith more rather than my skill set. What's going to happen is you're going to see my power begin to rise up in that thing. It's like forgiveness. If you're struggling with forgiveness, which if you're here, who is not struggling with forgiveness? We wonder why we have collisions, why God allows collisions. He's like, because I want to make you like my son. I, I want to chip away anger and bitterness and, and all those things. And I want, I want people to feel my forgiveness work through you. So I'm going to put you in these situations. This person's going to, they're going to just, oh, you're just going to be like, oh. You know, when you can't even say words, you're just like, Chah. But then day three, day four, month five, year two. You're going to go, wow, they are like a permanent part of this thing I call my life. And you're going to start saying, you know, maybe it's not worth, worth living the rest of my life angry at this dude. Maybe I need to start wrestling with forgiveness. It's through the trial that he begins to break us down. He says, I won't let it get you. My grace is sufficient. I won't let it destroy you. Anybody with me? If we want God's power to flow through us, we need to allow the suffering to remove what's in us. And I want the power of God. I want it on my marriage, how I treat my wife. I want it on my leadership when I lead a church. I want people to feel the power of God when they interact with me. And if I want that power to flow through me, I gotta allow suffering and the Holy Spirit to remove what's in me. I wrote this to myself when I was in the throes of pain one many, many years ago doing an undergraduate in Florida. I wrote this to myself. Suffering sends me back to God and anything that makes me more like Christ is a painful gift of grace. That's a hard truth to swallow. But I'd rather inject that purpose in your souls than have you wander out there wondering where God is. And you know, it's cool because it's through the resistance that we build weak spiritual muscles into something strong. You know, if you work out, it's all about tearing muscle tissue through resistance, right? I'm looking at a good-looking crowd. I know you work out. That's, that's what the resistance is. Like if you're doing squats, it's all about putting so much resistance and pressure on these muscles, you get small tears and they begin to grow larger. The muscle begins to grow larger. It's interesting that God made the body that way because I think he's trying to awaken us to how the soul works. So write this down. He changes us by pressing against the weak areas. So if it's forgiveness that he wants to develop to make you like his son, he's gonna press on bitterness in you. He's going to give you a trial and it's going to press on that area. If, if you're a person who's terrified of, of the fear of people, the fear of what do they think, what do they think, what do they think, what do they think, he's going to give you a trial that's going to press on that place. He's going to put you in the middle of a crowd or something to begin to kill that and say, it doesn't matter what they think. He's going to press on weak areas to make us strong. And that's why we got to do this as a community. 
Because sometimes we go in and we come in this place and we're just like, I don't know what's going on, but life is terrible right now. And then as a community of endurance, we go, no, 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 no. No, he's working you right now. That's love. That's painful love. 2 Corinthians 12, 10. For the sake of Christ, for the glory of Christ, not my comfort, to show Christ is amazing, to show the lost world that Christ has the power to change a human being. So I can walk into work and say, I'm not perfect, but I'm being changed. Then I am content. Whoa. I am content with weakness. I am content. It took me many years to learn to say this, but I'm learning to be content in the trial. You know, this fallen demon that follows me around for a living, he insults me. (laughs) It creates hardships for me. persecutes me. You know, he just creates calamity. (laughs) He just screws things up. But when I realize there's purpose in that pain, that God is teaching me how to endure, how to forgive, how to trust, how to be humble. Oh, brothers and sisters, how to pray. How to lean on God. I'm learning for when I am weak, God's making me strong. I'm learning that through the trial, He's making me like a son. And I, I would rather, I would rather be changed than be comfortable. This is seeing purpose and pain. Now it has meaning. Now I can endure. Brothers and sisters, there's another world at work. And I wrote this down as a word for you. If we could see trials from a new angle. We see suffering. God sees a new you. We can't control most things, Ita. But we can influence their effects by adjusting the angle we see them from. This is God trying to form his son in our souls. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If this was your first time joining us online, please head over to the contact us portion of our website and say hi. We would love to meet you. If you'd like someone from our church to pray for you, please shoot us an email at prayer at frontlinecommunity.org. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry, please visit frontlinecommunity.org forward slash give or email giving at frontlinecommunity.org. Please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and rate our podcast. We hope that you were blessed today and we'll see you next week.